Welcome into the PHNX Diamondback Show, uh, brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Um, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. My name is Jesse Friedman. I am the vice mayor of PHNX, and today we are without the mayor. The mayor is at home resting. Uh, he came down with a nasty case of the stomach flu while he was traveling this past week. So the mayor is not with us today. Hopefully he'll be back uh, soon later this week. Uh, but uh, in his place, we have a special guest joining us uh, here on the PHNX D-Back show, uh, a longtime friend of mine uh, and my former co-host as of just about a few months ago. Um, Jeff, we were sweeping the nation uh, not long ago with a podcast of our own uh, called the Rattle Podcast just uh, just a few months ago. Um, but yes, it is Jeff Weiser uh, joining the show today. Jeff, thank you so much for spending the time. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Um, really, really excited and um yeah, just happy to jump in. Been been super cool to see uh, what you and Derek have been up to, and um, yeah, excited to to talk about the Dimebacks. Jeff, it uh, it feels like just yesterday that we were uh, that we were doing this thing, and that we were uh, we didn't do five shows a week. Um, <laughs> I don't know if if we would have uh, lasted too long do, <laughs> doing that, but uh, but here we are uh, with PHNX. Derek and I have had a lot of fun putting out all sorts of content. Um, and we have news today, Jeff, on the uh, front of the ongoing saga between the Major League Players Association and the owners going back and forth on all of this lockout business. Uh, maybe news is is generous. I guess at this point, news is is the two sides just having a meeting, uh, which unfortunately has become news in this process. Uh, but Jeff, we haven't had you on the show uh, as of yet, so I'm just curious your general thoughts on this situation i know you and i uh back in the days of the rattle we kind of saw this coming we talked about this you know six months ago that this was probably around the corner once the cba expired but here we are in the middle of it and uh it seems every bit as ugly as we anticipated it was going to be yeah it sure hasn't been pretty um yeah it's it's been it's been frustrating you know the trickle of news that's come out um you know just the <laughs> the lack of news that's come out. I mean, I think the most encouraging thing from, from today's meeting is it sounds like they're meeting again tomorrow and um, you know, are meeting again. And, and that's, you know, just the sides coming together, I think is really positive. Um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to really assess because there's just not much to go on. I mean, I'm sure you and Derek can notice that there haven't been many particulars to really uh, kick around and discuss yeah, that, right. you know, have much meat to them. So uh, it's, it's kind of hard to say, but you know, it's, it's encouraging that it's happening and, I think I've always kind of taken the stance that um, like deadlines exist for a reason. And so these sides, right. I mean, I think we'll start to see this pick up. This is, this is encouraging. Um, it doesn't mean anything's imminent, but it's encouraging. And I'm fully prepared for, you know, the next meeting or two to happen. And then it might go radio silence for another week or two. So <laughs> I think really until, um, you know, pocketbooks start getting jeopardized, uh, you know, things won't really pick up. So uh, I'm encouraged. Maybe I should be more optimistic, but I think there still seems like a, a pretty long way to go here. Well, Jeff, I uh, I made a prediction about the day that the lockout would end. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter or anything, but uh, 
I feel kind of like an idiot because I predicted the lockout would end on January 28th. And suffice it to say, it would take a bit of a miracle uh, for the lockout to end in. I mean, by the time folks are getting this show, it's probably the 25th. So we're three days out right now uh, from my date. And uh, I've been uh, very overly confident. Derek has been very irritated by my confidence on the show about that date. Uh, but as it comes closer, Jeff, uh, I assume I'm I'm probably right to start being a little bit concerned about that. Yeah, I don't know if DraftKings has action on that, but I don't like your <laughs> odds. Um, no. <laughs> despite your confidence. Um, yeah, it, I think this is really going to drag out. I, you know, and I'm, I think they're probably going to need about two weeks to get, you know, ready for spring training to kind of get everything ready. Yeah. So whatever that date looks like, um, you know, I, I really think, I won't probably start getting especially nervous until about the middle of February. And then um, at that point, if, if really not close at that point, then it looks like we start eating into spring training um, and that could, that could get get difficult. So I think, um, you know, we'll need to sort of revise our expectations. um, You know, once this next little, you know, meeting or two happens and we, we kind of find out more of the particulars, but it sounds like, um, you know, the Players Association is, you know, came to the table today and was willing to make a few uh, modifications to their proposal. It looks like they're, you know, okay with, or at least sounding like they're okay with uh, sticking with six years of service time before free agency. That had been sort of a, you know, a major sticking point, but it looks like they, yeah. they do want the, um, you know, the the luxury tax threshold raised. So, um, you know, those are things that, you know, there's some push and pull there they're willing to give in exchange for things. So, um, that's encouraging. I mean, it, it sounds like bargaining. It sounds like reasoning. It sounds like trying to find a middle ground and a solution. So, uh, you know, January 28th, you know, we're not there yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's probably a ways to go. It's still possible, Jeff. It's, it's still possible. Uh, <laughs> maybe, yes, maybe a little bit far-fetched at this point. Um, I want to touch on what you mentioned about um, the increase in the luxury tax threshold. Um, I think one of the biggest critiques that I've heard over the years about the game of baseball in general is that there's no salary cap. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of weird, right? Like other sports, pretty much every other a uh, major professional sport in America has at least some system in place for a salary cap. Uh, major League Baseball doesn't have that. We have a luxury tax threshold, which is honestly surprisingly effective. I'm I'm usually surprised by the number of teams that actually do try to stay under that when it's like, I mean, they probably could spend hundreds more million if they if they really wanted to. Um, but a lot of teams do, in some sense, treat it as a as a soft cap where they're trying mm-hmm. to stay under that or at least not exceed it for too many consecutive years. Um, but a, a question the Diamondbacks fans ask a lot is, how is this possible? Like, how how do we compete in a league where the luxury tax threshold is going to continue to go up? There's really no scenario where the Players Association ever agrees to a salary cap because that's essentially just capping what they can make at that point. And so this is going to be the system for the foreseeable future. And I think fans are a little intimidated by the fact that there's probably never going to be a salary cap in this league and the Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres now will probably all spend substantially more money than the Diamondbacks do. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit difficult to see the path. Right. Um, and I don't know that if uh, so, like in the, the latest, you know, this latest news that's come out, um, the Players Association has asked for the luxury tax threshold to be raised 
um, to $245 million. Sometimes the Diamondbacks don't spend that in two years. Um, <laughs> Sometimes in three years, Jeff. I think it's pretty close in three years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, um, you know, so it feels difficult. I think, you know, the the question I, I might ask to that is, you know, let's call it a $245 million salary cap. Does that mean that the Diamondbacks are going to spend double overnight? I don't, I don't think so. Right. Even over the right. next few years, I don't think so. Um, so I think that trying to compare the luxury tax to a salary cap isn't necessarily a fair comparison, um, just because I don't know that they they don't function in the same way, and there's just all this margin in between. You know, I don't study um, like NFL rosters and NFL spending, you know, uh, closely, but you know, I believe most teams are within shouting distance of the salary cap most of the time. But right. in baseball, you know, you've got a good half of the league that's not even anywhere near the realm of the, the luxury tax. And so um, I think that that disparity does make it difficult. It's hard, you know, covering the Diamondbacks for a decade. It's, it's hard to watch uh, teams like the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants go out and spend so much and, and not do it. And I think it really comes down to ownership being willing to spend, you know, spend the money. And so um, right. call it a salary cap, call it a luxury tax. It doesn't matter for the Diamondbacks because, as an organization, they're not willing to spend that much money. One idea that's been thrown out there, I think this was by the owner side of things, is the idea of introducing a salary floor um, mm -hmm. of maybe around $100 million, something like that, which the Diamondbacks have been well under uh, the last couple of seasons. I don't know if that moves the needle a ton, um, but I mean, it would be fascinating to see, you know, what would the Tampa Bay Rays look like if they actually spent, you know, $100, $110 million, whatever that might look like. Yeah. Or uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what do you do there? Like, uh, hi, um, Jeff, would you like to come pretend to play baseball for us? We'll pay you $16 million so we can get to the, the floor. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's an interesting, it's an interesting proposal. I think instituting the floor um, without raising the ceiling is something that the players association isn't really interested in entertaining. Um, right. You know, it, it's sort of, I think it's a little bit more regressive in terms of, you know, trying to trying to pull things up, but it does raise a good point because I think at the at the heart of that matter is is the fact that there are a bunch of teams that are well below whatever that floor would be. They're really not trying. This is like an anti-tanking measure, uh, sort of wrapped up in a you know revenue generating measure. So you, you're kind of coupling a, a few things there. I right. think what the players' association would like to see is uh, the decoupling of that idea. Um, you know, raise the potential for earning. Um, and if you want to go into some measure of revenue sharing, some other sort of anti-tanking mechanism, um, I think there are better ways to do that than just saying, well, you have to spend so much money. I mean, money often equates to success in baseball, but not always. And so just forcing some, you know, lower tier teams to spend more money doesn't mean they're going to be more competitive it would mean they spend, give, you know, players more money. And that in some sense could be a good thing. But I think if we really want to get to the heart of tanking, which I think is, is a topic of this CBA, um, there probably are some other mechanisms uh, worth uh, exploring as opposed to the, the floor. 
My latest piece, I know I was, uh, you and I were texting back and forth about this yesterday. My latest article, uh, which you all, uh, our listeners, can go get at gophnx.com. It's over there right now. Um, but I basically, I put out a tweet uh, that just asked Diamondbacks fans, you know, aside from a significant increase in spending, because we all know that's not happening, at least not this year, uh, what should, you know, what would this Diamondbacks team need to do in 2022 in order to rekindle your interest in the team? Um, and huge thank you to, to everyone who responded. I got over 100 replies. It was super fun uh, interacting with all of you. Um, but as I was writing this article, Jeff, where I basically just compiled these responses, tried to categorize what people were thinking, um, the biggest response by far was we need a new owner, right? We need someone who is going to step up and is going to be willing to spend, you know, that kind of money that other owners, especially in the Diamondbacks division are already willing to spend. Um, and the issue is that right. New owners don't really come around often. I mean, it's not really something that you really have control over. It's very unpredictable, um, and there's, yeah, there's really no path to making that sort of thing happen. Um, to what degree, Jeff, do you think that the Diamondbacks as a franchise are, I don't want to say compromise, but just, I mean, you know, they are at a, they are at a significant disadvantage. And so we have to come to terms with like how big of a disadvantage is that? And is it possible for this team realistically to, somehow find the success that they're looking for like the Tampa Bay Rays, right? There are teams out there who have done this. Is there a blueprint to accomplish that under the ownership group that they have? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that money can buy you success, but it doesn't guarantee as we we're just saying, but what it does right. do is it allows you to make mistakes and survive. Right. Um, we can look at, um, you know, some of the huge contracts that have been handed out by teams like the Yankees or the Red Sox or even the Dodgers that haven't aged well, but they were able to get by and work around those because they had enough money to patch up and cover up their mistake. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks just don't have that luxury. We've seen it. We've seen them extend some of those big deals and have it bite them uh, to where they're selling for pennies on the dollar, doing anything they can to get out from under that. So um, it really is a, a significant disadvantage. I think, I think what folks will say is, well, the Rays do it. You know, yeah. there are some teams that are really good that don't spend very much. And my answer to that is, yeah, but they're doing everything else so right and have other things so well dialed um, that they're able to sort of mitigate and work around that, you know, that limitation. <sighs> Building the infrastructure and the organization to be able to win on a budget like that is nearly impossible it's extremely difficult and the yeah. diamondbacks frankly are so far behind in that race um you know mike hazen has done a you know by my estimation a pretty good job um not an a plus job but a pretty good job you can see right. the vision you can see what they're trying to do you can see what they're trying to improve doesn't guarantee it's going to work but you can see it and you can reason with it um but they're still so far behind teams like the rays um, teams like the Oakland A's, teams like uh, Cleveland, uh, teams that just have a really, really, um, you know, robust sort of plan for how they're going to develop and acquire talent. And so, um, yeah, I think if we look back and we look at, you know, a series of general managers um, that have ultimately kind of 
all gone away on sort of not so good terms from the Diamondbacks over the last decade plus, the constant is ownership. Um, yeah. And at some point, I mean, it sounds like fans recognize this, so I'm apparently yeah. preaching to the choir, but <laughs> you, know, you start looking around the room, it's like, I'm the only one that's been here this whole time and it ain't working. So um, until some of those things get addressed and there becomes a willingness to spend um it's hard to see them making up that ground. I know ownership would love to see revenue soar before they spend. You might have to spend before the revenue soars. Mm. That's what I think that's what Ken Kendrick is afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the step of faith that he and, and a number of other owners around baseball just don't want to make. Right. right. Uh, and obviously last year, the Diamondbacks had a record low attendance. They're not exactly you know, as flush with revenue as they've ever been right now. Um, Yeah. And let me just add that, like, they're still making money, like a lot of money. So mm. we might be displeased with what we see on the field. We might be displeased with the payroll, but the organization makes money. They're not, they're not losing a ton of cash. The pandemic year hurt everybody. Um, 2020 was bad for everyone in baseball, but you know, value of teams kind of went up, I think about 5% across the league anyways. Um, and so they're still revenue sharing. They're still getting money. You know, they still have media deals and all these things. So it's not like, um, it's not like they're not making money. Like it's very easy to just kind of stay where they're at and like, nah, we're getting by. Sure. Yeah. Well, with these monster TV contracts, it's it's almost impossible not to make money uh, in some ways. Uh, We're going to try to transition into the more positive side, the more hopeful side of of this organization moving forward. Uh, But before we do that, uh, a quick word about DraftKings. It is NFL uh, playoff season, of course. And Jeff, I have to ask, did you watch any of the playoff football that happened over the weekend? Yeah, it was insane. It was, I am so disappointed (laughs) because I actually did not watch a single game over the weekend. I was stuck doing other things um, like, you know, grocery shopping and just frustrating weekend things that you have to do. So apparently I miss like the games of a lifetime, but, uh, but it was pretty incredible this weekend. Uh, DraftKings uh, gives you the opportunity to get in on the action. So four teams remain in the NFL playoffs. And that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Uh, Jeff, I know we're both you know analytics-type people. Those numbers seem pretty good uh, from, what I can, from what I can tell. Bet 5, get 280 if your team wins. I, it sounds, sounds pretty fair to me. Um, not a new customer. Uh, you can experience the conference championships with same game parlays. Uh, of course, Derek talks about his parlays all the time. Uh, so, you know, you've you've pretty much heard the full runaround here on the PHNX D-backs podcast about all the things that you can do on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PHNX. And once again, get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5. Win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PHNX for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
21 and over, Arizona only, gambling problem, dial 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Uh, Jeff, now on to the more uh, positive uh, side of things. Um, we talked about it a lot um, back in our Rattle Podcast days. This team has a pretty good farm system. Uh, there's a lot of young players coming up uh, through the organization that are very exciting. A lot of them took significant steps forward last year. Uh, Mike Hazen in his exit interview uh, talked about how not much went right in the organization in 2021. But one of the few things that did go right is that a lot of those top prospects took a significant step forward. Um, so you're all, I mean, you're the D-backs miners guy, right, Jeff? I mean, I mean, if there's anyone to, to ask questions about the Diamondbacks farm system, we've got the right man here. Uh, so Jeff, just talk to us about what you saw from the farm system uh, this season as a whole and uh, just sort of what you're excited about moving forward into, uh, into this next season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know that there, there are several guys that took steps forward, um, most notably on the pitching side. And, you know, that was a that was a huge development for this team. I think there have been some criticisms of their ability to develop um, pitching prospects and develop pitching talent. Um, yeah. But a number of guys really sort of took that leap. Um, you know, Ryan, Ryan Nelson, um, Brandon Fad came from kind of obscurity to really throw himself into the fray. Dre Jameson yeah. had a huge season. Um, a number of guys just kind of, you know, made that, made that leap. And, um, you know, you could see it. I've, I've seen some of these guys in person for a few years now, and these are big league arms. It's big league stuff. Um, you're not looking at, these aren't guys with like, you know, 89, 90 mile an hour fastballs trying to get by. These are guys with some power stuff. And um, it's very exciting to see them kind of make that leap. Now, I don't know that that means that the next, you know, proverbial ace or leader of the staff is necessarily sure. in this group. And so um, that can be okay because you need five starting pitchers. Um, and so, you know, they may have more of the sort of three, four, maybe number five type guys here. Maybe someone really, you know, grabs the bull by the horns and becomes kind of the number two guy. I don't know that they have that like staff ace in this mix yet. But, you know, you'll take that. You need you look at some of these teams that, that make the playoffs and go deep. Night after night, they're throwing quality arms at you. And um, we haven't seen that for, you know, from the Diamondbacks in, in quite a while. And so it feels mm -hmm. really good to see that pitching group take a big step forward. I think for me, that's probably the, the biggest takeaway from, from last year's campaign. Uh, I don't know if we got your, uh, your perspective on him. I can't remember if... Uh, when we when we switch, well, I guess it probably would have happened. The draft happens in June, so we probably talked a little bit about the draft. Um, but refresh my memory, Jeff, if you will. Um, talk to us about Jordan Lawler and what you think he brings to the table moving forward. Yeah, I think I think with Lawler, it's interesting to me. I think you're looking at um, like a well balanced skill set, so it's like a well rounded player who probably doesn't have like one mega loud tool, um, right? Not a crazy hit tool, like not a guy that's going to probably hit 340 or, you know, do some weird thing like that. Um, not a huge power tool, um, probably, you know, going to be sort of an average power guy um, fields a position. Well, 
can certainly stick at shortstop as long as his body probably allows him. Could probably be a pretty good defender at shortstop. We might not be talking about like peak Nick Ahmed. We're probably talking about a pretty good defender at shortstop. Hmm. You sort of bundle all that up and it feels pretty good. Like that's a good, well-rounded player who can hit in the top part of your lineup uh, for a long time. I think there are some some thoughts that maybe, I mean, he's a, a good size frame. He's, you know, 6'2", um, 190 pounds already. He was a little old for his class as a high schooler. Um, I believe he's already 19. So um, there's some thought that he may fill out and eventually maybe move to third base kind of down the line, you know, in the next few years. He, he may make it to the majors as a shortstop or he may move to third base before then. But the thought there is that if he goes to third base, he can be a heck of a third baseman. So yeah, defense isn't really a concern. For me, it's sort of about how much can he hit? How much does the bat have? Um, you know, can, can those things come through? You know, do we have to worry about swing and miss? Um, I think one of the really encouraging things is that he, he's always been a naturally gifted athlete. He seems like right. a really cerebral kid. He seems really sharp, really smart. So um, there's a lot of game for him to learn. He didn't get much experience because he hurt like every other Diamondbacks prospect, his shoulder last year. Um, so he, he missed some action. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> the trouble of the shoulder is just as like a recurring theme last year. But um, I think, you know, 2022 will be great uh, to kind of see where he, you know, when he can get going, probably start the year and ex- extended spring training and then sort of hit the ground running from there. But I think you're looking at a guy that, you know, if it all clicks, you know, he's hitting at the top of your, you know, at or near the top of your, your order for a good long time. When it comes to, I mean, I don't think any of us are expecting Jordan Lawler to play in the big leagues in 2022, especially after the injury. I mean, he's got a long ways to go. Right. Um, But that doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't some pretty big names in this farm system that have a chance to break into the league in 2022. Um, I think Alec Thomas is, is obviously the big one. Uh, we've talked about him on the show quite a bit, but in terms of prospect talent that could break into the majors this season, what are, uh, what are the names that come to mind for you? Yeah. Alec Thomas leads the way. It's the one we should be excited right. about. That's, that is what it is. Uh, he's a guy we'll be watching. Hopefully he gets out of the gates hot in Reno and, we're just, you know, <laughs> begging protect for his him. shoulder, protect yeah. his shoulder. <laughs> you ever seen a center fielder wear shoulder pads? Um, so yeah, <laughs> Alec Thomas is probably the guy to watch. I think, do you think Pearl, he'll play? Do you think he'll play center field? You know, I think he could come up as a center fielder. I don't think that's mm-hmm. his long-term home, but I think if we look at the Diamondbacks' roster right now, there might be a case to be made that, Hey, let's let him get his feet wet in center. I think ultimately sure. he'll probably play most of his days and left, but um, you know, he, he'll have a, he'll be a good left fielder. He'll have a ton of range for, for a left fielder. Um, Geraldo Perdomo undoubtedly will see time next year. Yeah. Ended the year on a real high streak. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it's in the plans, but I mean, I wouldn't Ryan Nelson and, and Dre Jameson could, you know, get a look next year. Um, need those guys to certainly to stay healthy. Uh, Luis Frias, we already got a look at him. I think he'll be back. Uh, Tommy Henry's a guy that could, you know, make, some manner of debut. And then I'm super curious with the CBA, how it shakes out. I mean, I think the universal DH is coming. I don't don't think there's really any doubt about that. My question is sort of how soon it gets implemented. Like, does that come in 2022? And if it does, yeah. Does that help us see Seth beer? Um, 
you know, in the majors, you know, real quickly. I mean, those are all guys that I could see, you know, up, um, you know, throughout the season outfielders like Jake McCarthy, Stuart Fairchild, Cooper Hummel will be up. And then there's a whole host of like swingmen, fifth starter reliever types that'll probably get some action. I think, um, you know, for folks that are preparing for the 2022 season, get ready to see some names that you haven't seen before. Cause they're going to be some kids that are playing and, you know, it, there'll be some good, there'll be some bad, there's going to be some learning moments. Um, you know, it'll be tough, you know, it's kind of tough to manage and there'll be some growing pains along the way, but I think it's a lot to be excited for. I think a lot of fans, I mean, from what we've been able to tell, that's kind of what people want, right? I think they're, I think people are a little bit tired in some ways of, you know, watching as Drupal Cabrera, watching Cole Calhoun, watching, yeah. you know, these veterans who certainly have a lot to offer. I mean, those play, there's a reason that guys like that are, you know, the types of guys to be highly sought after at the trade deadline, you know, by teams that are that are really in the thick of it. But they're not really the kind of players that the Diamondbacks need right now. Right. I mean, they're in a situation where they're turning the page. Um, and, and I think we're about to, you know, get a really good look at what the next generation of players on this team looks like. And I think that's exactly what the fans want. Right. They want to see Geraldo Perdomo in there every day. I don't know how concerned they are about how much playing time Nick Ahmed gets. I don't know if they're concerned about how much playing time David Peralta gets. You know, I mean, I think they're ready for, you know, even if there's growing pains along the way, like you said. Um, so I think that's certainly something to look forward to. Uh, before we before we move on here, uh, I have to ask, Jeff, have you seen any of our PHNX T-shirts? Have you, have no. you, are you privy to? Yeah, we, we have some pretty uh, some pretty sweet stuff. Um, so this is an assignment both for you, Jeff, and for our audience. Uh, go over to uh, phnxlocker.com. Uh, we have T-shirts. We have sticker packs. The sticker packs are $5. T-shirts are $29.99. Um, but, of course, uh, if you become an annual member, uh, you will get a free T-shirt. Um, and you can also go month to month with your membership uh, and get your first month for just 50 cents. Uh, over at gophnx.com, you can get articles like the one I mentioned earlier, um, and as I mentioned at phnxlocker.com, we got some good stuff, Jeff, uh, when it comes to uh, the Suns, the Coyotes, the Cardinals. They're the kind of the ones who have gotten all the merch so far. We're a little bit jealous over here uh, at PHNX Diamondbacks because uh, we don't, we've just got the one shirt so far, which is pretty sweet in its own right. Uh, but certainly, uh, certainly more to come uh, on that front. So, uh, so stay tuned there. Um, but moving on here in the show, our, our last big topic uh for today, Jeff, is just what is this team going to do moving forward? Um, specifically when it comes to uh, just this offseason, which it's weird to talk about what are they going to do in the offseason when it's late January and theoretically, you know, pitchers and catchers are supposed to report in a couple of weeks. But the reality is that the lockout is still is still going on and it's probably going to go on for several more weeks, as we mentioned earlier. And the Diamondbacks probably aren't done. Uh, with their offseason just yet, right? It's pretty much Mark Melanson and uh, and Jordan Luplo, right? I mean, those are the two the two significant moves that have happened so far. Um, so, what do you think, Jeff? As far as what this team might look to do, I know it's going to be madness the moment the lockout ends. Teams are going to be trying to you know round out their rosters as much as possible. The Diamondbacks probably have a need at third base. Uh, that seems to be the the clearest move uh, to make. But what do you think they're going to do to address that and and maybe other needs you see on the roster? 
Yeah, good question. I, I really think they're in an interesting position right now. They're sort of in a transitional phase. I think we've, we're either at or have seen sort of the bottom of this thing. Uh, there may be another season left that feels pretty bottom-ish, but I think we've probably seen the bottom of the bottom. Um, and we just talked about a farm system that's pretty robust, that's making strides, um, that's encouraging. You can never have too much talent. And so I think that one of the trends that we'll probably see is them roll the dice on some starting pitching uh, that's probably rather inexpensive and probably on like one-year deals. These are veteran types. Um, yeah. Could even be some guys on minor league deals that they bring in. And you hope that maybe you hit on one or two of them. Uh, and at the trade deadline, you flip them. Uh, you try to get another prospect back. You try to get someone else back that can help your team. And so in a sense, like you can't outright uh, go to the Brewers right now and like buy prospects from them, but they might need a starting pitcher down the stretch. Uh, and so in, in a sense, you can make that investment now and hope that that pays off. Um, so I think we'll see some of that. I think they could use another starting pitcher. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I think you're just looking for sort of a back end type. It's not going to be exciting. It's not going to be flashy. It's not going to be exciting. Um, I think they could probably still use two relievers. Those yeah. are other guys that you hope do something for you and you trade them. And we saw this with Joaquin Soria last year. You just, you know, you're going to try to give them an audition, hope that they play well for three months and then move them on um, in exchange for something else. I think third base is really the the big spot. I mean, there's no like real incumbent sort of. I mean, there are guys that can play the position, but I don't really think by design you want them there all the time. That's a place that I could see them maybe making some sort of investment that's lasts beyond a year. Um, I'm not sure that they will, but they could because it's not like a year from now. Uh, I don't think they probably feel like the third baseman of the future is just like a year away. So yeah, that's kind of the spot I'm most intrigued by, but you know, I'm not really sure what's out there for them and the trade market may, might be where they go for that. But for signings, I think you're probably looking at the arms. In terms of prospects, it's, uh, I mean, Drew Ellis is, is here. Uh, he wasn't necessarily great last season, um, but certainly I'm sure they're going to give him a little bit more of an audition before, uh, you know, I mean, he's still only 25 years old, I think. So you still certainly want to give him some run. Uh, AJ Vukovic is the other third base prospect that comes to mind for me, but yeah, probably more than a year away uh, from what I can tell for him. Is that fair to say? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably a couple. And another name I'll throw out there that sort of hit the radar late and does play third base is a long ways away yet. But uh, Davison De Los Santos was a guy that I sort of uncovered while like digging through box scores back in like late July. I was like, who's this guy? And this is man, what you do in, in your free time in late July. <laughs> box scores, right, Jeff? <laughs> it's real exciting over here. Let me tell you. Um, but man, Davison De Los Santos had a year. Uh, really put himself on the map. Um, Fangraphs uh, recently ranked him as their ninth best Diamondbacks prospect. And the kid's got real wow. raw power. Um, he may not stick at third base. It's kind of hard to say. He's got some feel to hit, and it's an exciting package. So there's some guys in the wings, but I think you're right with, with your assessment. You know, Vukovic, De La Santa, these guys are not really um, – going to be ready for a while even if it all clicks for them and you know and drew ellis is probably a stopgap at best so they're going to need somebody 
Yeah. So, I mean, this team is not done. I don't know if we have, uh, you know, something ultra exciting around the corner, but like you said, you know, probably a move at third base. I think the trade market kind of seems like the only way to go in some ways, the free, I mean, you're not going to sign Chris Bryant, right? I mean, there's just not really very many clear options in free agency. Yeah. Jonathan VR is one name that kind of comes to mind is more of a stopgap type. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think of a, a name like that? He's pretty much the only one I got as far as free agent targets. Yeah. But that type of player, right? Like that, like that mold of someone who's not as old as has Drupal Cabrera uh, and can come in. Uh, I mean, VR is probably not much younger than <laughs> as Drupal Cabrera, but I think a, a few years probably it's like, I don't know. I think VR could be interesting, um, kind of a dynamic player, uh, at least was in his younger days. Um, but I think that's what you're looking at. Someone who, again, comes in for a year, maybe two, just kind of holds it down, lets you assess, um, you know, figure out if something better comes along or if you're able to develop somebody. Because you're right, the the guy we're throwing like all the money at, like the time isn't right right now. Um, that, would, that wouldn't be the best investment. So I think... Um, I think they'll, you know, make a make another short term move and and just try to kind of wait it out. Jeff, this has been fun, just just yeah. like the good old days, right? Yeah, <laughs> like uh, I do miss our bar barnstorming days of recording from parking lots in Minnesota and all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Oh man, um, well, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time. This was uh, this is super fun to have you back and. Uh, just get your take on things. You're welcome anytime, Jeff. So you just knock on our door and I'll, I'll push the mayor over, uh, you know, whenever, whenever you're around, we, we just won't tell him next time. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, before we go, uh, one more word here about uh, PHNX. Um, and I have a question for all of you. I want to know, are you sick and tired of aggregated content that doesn't inform or entertain you? You should expect more from your Valley sports coverage. Expect in-depth features, film breakdown, exclusive videos, special discounts, the most engaging discussion, and so much more. Become a PHNX member and unlock a world of Arizona sports coverage you never imagined possible. Head to gophnx.com today and become a member of the family. You'll either get a free t-shirt from the PHNX soccer or your first month for cents just for signing up. Uh, we would love to have you as a member of the family. Um, Jeff, how can people follow you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at outfieldgrass24. Um, you know, feel free to hit me up. And uh, if you're really into it, follow the DBAX Miners hashtag. I will be once again utilizing that throughout the course of the season because it's kind of where the future's coming from. There you go. And that future is pretty much the only source of hope around here right now. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's what we're latching on to around here. Uh, but once again, thank you so much to Jeff and thank all of you for listening. Uh, as usual, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review. You can do that on Spotify, uh, on App Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, we would also love for you to head over to our YouTube channel, of PHNX and be sure to uh, subscribe to our channel there. Make sure that you don't miss uh, any of our content. We've got a live show coming uh, later today on Tuesday. Uh, so be sure to uh, hop on for that as well. We'd love to see you there and interact with you live uh, over YouTube. Uh, but thank you so much again for listening. For Jeff, my name is Jesse Friedman and we'll be back here tomorrow with some more content about this Arizona Diamondbacks baseball team.